It is good to be home. I love this family uh, with all my heart. I love the leadership here, Pastor Brett and Cynthia, uh, Cynthia Fuller. Pastor Brett is really my spiritual father. Love Pastor Jim and Angie Critcher. Tremendous. Um, the whole pastoral team, the leaders, all of you, give yourselves a big hand. I love this church. I mean it. This is a symbol of one of the greatest gifts of my life. It's a story I want to share with you today, but not only this story, but the story behind it. And here we are celebrating 30 years as a church, and I've been a part of this church most of that time. My relationship with Grace Covenant Church began probably just over 25 years ago. The story I want to begin with, though, goes back about 30 years. See, I was a senior in high school, 17 years of age. And upon graduation, I began a relationship with a young lady, and uh, our relationship moved in a direction that God did not desire. How many understand what I'm saying? In fact, um, not only was the relationship inappropriate, we both recognized that it was not God-honoring. We were members of the same church. In fact, her father was the pastor of the church. And um, it wasn't too long before we ended the relationship on mutual terms. Uh, Within two months, though, I got a phone call saying I'm pregnant. 17 years of age, that was the last thing I expected to hear. Uh, We had some disagreement about how to proceed together in life because I didn't have a desire to be married. I didn't have a desire to uh, have a family, a child, girl, or boy. Somehow all my desires were not God's. And I remember thinking to myself, what are the options here? Usually you think either adoption or abortion. I chose abandonment. And the reason why is because although we had agreed to put the child up for adoption, we discussed this during her pregnancy, at the time of his birth, she said, you know what, I cannot put him up for adoption. I'm going to keep him. And I strongly disagreed. And she looked at me and said, you know what, I don't care if you ever choose to be his father. I will be his mother. I'll never ask you for a dime. I'll never look for you. We parted ways. She moved out of the D.C. area. Her family remained in D.C. But I must be honest and say there was no inkling in me to pursue her or to pursue our son. I went on with my life. I got a full ride to American University, all expenses paid, academic. Just I put that behind me. I tried to suppress Uh, the truth of what had happened in my life so that I wouldn't have to deal with the the shame and the guilt of failing to be a man. And uh, after going to college, didn't do well there. Uh, After one semester, academic probation. After another semester, expelled from the university. Had a .45 GPA. Yes, .45, not 4.5. Tell people my GPA was so low you could not limbo under it. I started losing things. I lost my scholarship. I lost my relationship with God. I lost my son. It took a while for me to wake up and realize I was lost. Found myself standing on a bridge one night, uh, crying out like we did in worship. Daddy, coming to the end of myself saying, God, I don't know you. I understand how to attend church. I've done it for 17 years. I can quote scripture. I can give a testimony at the appropriate time. But I do not have a relationship with you being my father and me being your son. And that night, I cried. I cried, Daddy, save me. Take me out or change me, but don't leave me as I am. And this was my request. Put me in a church 
where men know God, love God, and it's not talk, it's a walk. He answered that prayer within less than a month. Yeah, go ahead. This is a church. Within, um, within less than a month, I was temping. That's what you do when you flunk out of college. Uh, I was temping, and um, a young man walked into the office. I was probably 19, 20. He walked in the office, and uh, he said, are you a Christian? I said, it's a long story. He introduced himself. My name is Christopher Clark. And Christopher Clark then introduced me to Pastor Brett Fuller, and Pastor Brett Fuller introduced me to the Lordship of Jesus Christ. And I grew in this house doing what those in this house do, serve, love God, love people. And I made a commitment. Jesus, you're Lord of my life. I will follow you. I'm not playing church. I'm going to live this thing out in community with people. I'm going to read my Bible. I'm going to learn to become what you put me on this planet to be and to do. Years went by. I had made a commitment that the next woman I'd be involved with would be my wife since I had tried to relate to women apart from God and failed. I decided this time I would wait until God spoke. So I was on the worship team playing horns. A young lady on the team sang, Mary Ann, and we decided let's make music together. That's corny, but that's about how it happened. Um, I told her that I had a son I'd never met, so if she wanted out, this was the time. Told her that up front. And she said, no, I can't wait till you meet your son. I said, I've never met him. And so... Uh, we were married 18 months later. Pastor Brett married us. He's be- it's just amazing. Married us. And then um, six months. Now, you know what it's like when you've been married for six months. I'm at 21 this year. But six months, the cement is not hard. It's still really wet. You're figuring each other out. Why do you put your stuff on my dresser? Okay, I got to, where's the furniture? You're changing my life. Anybody know what I'm talking about? Some of you, we're 15 years and we're still going through that, right? I know. But, but the reality is this. Um, six months, we had only been married. And Marianne is an amazing woman. She, she's gracious. She's, she's phenomenal. Uh, she and I were standing in a meeting like this, and they were praying for people prophetically. And when they got to us as a couple, all these things were expressed. I was not in ministry, was not thinking about ministry, had flunked out of school. My life was just messed up, yet this woman wanted to marry me anyway. And God began to restore everything I lost. He restored my scholarship, reinstated it, got freshman forgiveness, started all over, graduated with honors. He just started restoring everything. Then the, the, the gentleman looked at me and said, I need to ask you a question. And I was looking at him and just, you know, prophecy is for edification, encouragement. He looked at me and he asked a question. He said, do you have a son? I was struck. Um, first of all, I've never received a prophetic word where I was asked a question. Number two, he was asking a question that had not been a topic of conversation for years. And there weren't a lot of people who knew, yet everybody was in this public room now hearing this. Two things went through my mind. Number one, I was so glad I told Marianne. (laughs) You know, I played that out in my mind if that had gone down another way. Number two, I was glad that I'd read the part about Ananias and Sapphira who lied about property (laughs) and they dropped dead on the spot. So I didn't open my mouth. I didn't open my mouth because I was too afraid. I was scared. I looked at Pastor Brett. He knew. I looked at Marianne. She knew. And a handful of people in the room knew. And he said, I see this this boy. I believe he's your son. God's going to restore the relationship. He's going to do great things. And afterwards, I said, are you saying that I have a son or my wife's going to have one? He said, oh, no, you already have a son. And I told him it's true. Two weeks later, two weeks later, I'm in a rush to work. I physically bump into a woman, and I catch her before she falls, apologizing, and as our eyes meet, it's my son's grandmother. I say, i got to find your daughter. She gives me the number. I call, 
And um, my son's mom answers the phone, and I said, please forgive me. This is Donnell. Please forgive me. I've asked God to forgive me. I'm asking you to forgive me for failing to be a man, for failing to be responsible to you, to be responsible to our son, for abandoning both of you. I've repented to God. I'm repenting to you. Two weeks ago, here's what happened. I'm married. I'm in a church, a great pastor. He's been mentoring, discipling me. I'm ready to be responsible as a father to our son. After a pause, she says, I would not believe a word you've said except that seven months ago I became a part of a church. I've committed my life to Jesus. I'm following him. The women in this church have been praying that the father would come forward. I've never even mentioned your name to them or to your son. Your son is seven years old, and he's now beginning to ask, who's my daddy? What's his name? And so I go, wow, what church are you a part of? And she says, I go to a church in North Carolina. The pastor's Pastor Ron Lewis. Pastor Ron Lewis and Pastor Brett Fuller are friends in every nation, meaning of all the churches in North America and all the churches in D.C., we both end up in the same family of churches where the senior pastors have friendship going back now over 30 years. Pastor Ron had actually been here, spoken. I probably carried his luggage to the, to, the, to the airport. He never knew my story, and I never knew my son and daughter was in his church. And so we didn't have to go to court because is there none among you wise enough to judge? So in the church, they as elders judged the matter. They set the child support payment. I remember when Pastor Brett said, Donnell will pay this. I was looking, I was like, oh my God. <laughs> I just, <laughs> I thought because it was my pastor, not the court, you know, it would be different. And it was different because he was more than me paying money. He was all about me becoming a father. Um, and he did it honorably. So I talked to my son on the phone for the first time. And, and then there was a trip to North Carolina. And uh, it was the longest five-hour drive of my life because I was afraid of my wife meeting his mom because we were six months married and I didn't want my marriage to blow up. Look, this is real. I know what she said before we got married, but I don't know what's going to happen in North Carolina. I, you understand? You understand? So I tell people this all the time. I never watch soap operas, but I know what drama looks like. We drove to North Carolina. We arrived. When we walk in, they're finishing this last song. Literally, the doors open. The seven-year-old boy walks out for the first time. Uh, of me seeing him at seven. I saw him once before when he was three, but stood off and basically denied, that's not my boy. It was at a funeral. That's when his grandmother came up to me and, and said some words to me that were hurtful, but were out of her pain, and I needed to hear him. I needed to hear him. And so I knew her whole family whenever they saw me. I was that guy. That's me. I was that guy. And uh, I knelt down on one knee, literally, as this boy was walking toward me, and he just jumped in my arms for the first time. And that's what that is a picture of. It's reconciliation. His mom walked out. My wife stepped quickly to her and put her arms around her and prayed for her. They prayed together and started weeping. I'm on one knee looking up going, okay, I don't even understand how this happens. I don't understand how this happens. And this is not just about God reconciling a father to a son. This is God saying, I'm demonstrating through you what is in my heart for the world. I'm waiting for the world to realize that I'm the legitimate dad who meets all your needs and who you need to come back home to. See, when I came home to father, then he started bringing me home to everything I had messed up. 
And so literally years have gone by. Uh, my wife uh, said to me, why don't we invite him to come live with us? That's what my wife said. It was her idea. So he lived with us. She homeschooled him. He would go back and forth summers. Um, her name was Robinson. She made me promise, and I agreed that I would never change his name. And I said, how dare I? I mean, I abandoned him for seven years. There's no way I'd do that. As he grew into an adult young man, things began to change. Our relationship grew, prospered. He had prophetic words about things that would happen between us. And he gave me that um, for Christmas a number of years ago. He said, Dad, do you know what this is? And I said, yes, weeping. It's the first time we met. Um, and then he called me on a Monday morning after Sunday service and said, what are you doing? I said, I'm just reflecting on how things went the day before. And he said, Dad, I'm changing my name. I said, why? Jonathan's a good name. And he looked at me and said, no, I'm changing my name from Robinson to Jones because you're my dad and I'm your son. He then got married. His wife is Jessica Jones, and my granddaughter is Zoe Jones. This is my son, John. Come on up. <clears throat> Happy Father's Day to everybody. As a child, we all need three things, and those three things are acceptance, affirmation, and approval. And if we don't get these things from our earthly fathers growing up, we start to search and roam around to find that, to find those three things. And that's exactly what I did. Um, as my dad said, I didn't meet him until I was seven years old, so there was a lot of things I was wrestling with in my life. If you just looked at me, you, you might not have known it. I, I, would, I, was a good job, I did a good job at masking those things. I'll tell a story. Growing up, I, I was a shoe fanatic. I love shoes, still do. But the reason why I love shoes, I was trying to fill that void that was in my heart. And a couple, after meeting my dad at 7, a couple summers later, he, he takes me out shoe shopping. And he's taking me to all these little like gas station type places to, to find some shoes. And I'm saying... I know you being a dad, this is new to you, but this isn't how me and my mom do this. <laughs> she takes me to the mall, and I get some nice, expensive shoes, so that's what we're going to do. But my dad, being the good teacher that he is, he's trying to make me understand why I'm trying to wear these Nikes. And me being a kid, I can't explain it. I can't say this, this is filling a void. Maybe I did. He probably would have felt guilty and just got him in the first place, but... <laughs> Not thinking like that as a kid, I finally wore them out. It took us nearly all day, but I finally was able to wear them out to get those shoes. But just growing up, those types of things, I would try to use them to fill that void that was in my heart. I also dealt with insecurities and wondering why my dad didn't want me. He wasn't there at my birth. Looking at some of my buddies growing up, I would go to their houses. Mom and dad is in the home. Growing up with their siblings, they look like they're a great family. And they'd have a younger a child, and the whole family goes to the hospital and celebrates that birth. But me, I didn't experience those things. It was just me and my mom. And we had moved from Virginia down to North Carolina, so it was really just me and my mom, and that was it. But then when I met my dad when I was seven years old, that, that statue, it's the exact position that he was just waiting out in the foyer. And I ran out to him. And at seven, I didn't really understand. I was just happy and grateful that I was able to meet my dad for the first time. But it wasn't later on in life that I started to really realize the, the, the impact that he had on my life in, in a negative way by him not being there at the beginning. 
Um, one story I'll tell was right before I was going into high school, I was faced with the decision of if I'm going to live in D.C. with my dad and go to a school, Gonzaga, or would I just continue living in North Carolina with my mom? And I started to really have negative feelings toward my dad. Although I loved him and we had a great relationship, I had negative feelings towards him because I was, instead of deciding what school I was going to go to because of the academics and the athletics program, I was really deciding between my mom and my dad. And to me, it was just unfair. And I had to forgive my dad again. I pulled him to the side and I told him, I said, this is kind of what I'm going through. This is the things I'm dealing with, but still love you anyways. And it's been a work in progress, but we have a great relationship now. And I want to go to the scripture of Matthew chapter 3, verse 16 and 17. This is an example of Jesus. Although he had a good son, and I mean a good father in Joseph, he still needed that affirmation, acceptance, and approval from his heavenly father, God. And this is the same as what we want to do, regardless of if we had a great relationship with our dads or we didn't. So I'll read. It says, As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love, and with him I am well pleased. This is Jesus receiving those three things that we try to get from our earthly father, from his heavenly father. And as I say, if it's good enough for Jesus, it's got to be good enough for us. And one of the things that my father taught me growing up was a lot of the ways that we view our earthly father is the way we view, our, we view God. If your father growing up just gave you everything, gave you money, gave you presents all the time, we kind of view as God as we'll, we'll do that. And if we don't get that, we kind of are like, what's, what's going on here? Or in my case, my dad was neglectful the first seven years of my life. So I wrestled with God, are you really there? I, I tried to do everything on my own, and my last result would be my dad because I didn't know if I could count on him or not. And I just want to let you know that if you look at this word, the relationship between God and Jesus is the true father-child relationship. That's the blueprint of what it's really supposed to look like. So for those of us that had that great father growing up and that foundation was set, that's awesome. That's great. We're able to build on that. But those that were in my boat, you can also look to this word and know that although your, your earthly father wasn't all that you wanted him to be or desired, God always loves you. You always have a father in God. So what I want to do is I'm going to have my dad come up and he's going to pray for the fathers in, in his state, for the fathers that didn't always, weren't always the best, didn't give you what, everything that you thought a father would be. Or they may have neglected you, or maybe they were in the home, but you still didn't have that relationship that you needed. And then I'm going to pray from the child's perspective of us being able to release our fathers, the ones that did us wrong. Any, anything, any issues that you might be struggling with, we can release them. It, it, it'll free you. I'm speaking from experience. It'll free you to just say, I forgive you. So good. Great. When John was seven years old, I, um, we were at a private home, and I just got down on my knees and looked him in his eyes and said, John, please forgive me. Um, I not only asked his mother for forgiveness, I asked John for forgiveness. I've asked probably two years ago his grandmother for forgiveness, his uncle, his aunts. It's been amazing what God's done with every family member just in recent years. It just never occurred to me I needed to repent to the whole family, and I had the opportunity to do so. Um, and so for fathers who are here, um, let's just pray. Father, I, um, on behalf of fathers, 
who have fallen short of the measure that you've called us to be. Even as you've turned my heart toward you and then turned my heart toward my son and you've forgiven me, I just want to almost kind of in, in, in place of fathers, I can't do it, but in place of fathers, say, forgive us, your fathers who have not related to you properly. Some of us because of our own father issues, but it makes no difference and it makes no excuse. Forgive us for failing to be what God intended us to be for you, whether we were present or absent, for any harm done to you, any benefit you failed to receive. On behalf of fathers, I repent. God, let everyone in this place um, who is a father who needs to repent in any way uh, be able to, to do so. And anybody who needs to forgive a father, hear this tonight, this morning, and hear this as your heart wanting to, to release dads. Amen. Dear Heavenly Father, we are all your children. No matter what age, no matter what upbringing we had, God, we're all your children, Lord. So I pray that you would just remind us of that. Any of us that have dealt with struggles of, of absent fathers all the way up to the great dad, God, any of us that, that are harboring any, any malice or negative feelings towards our dad, Lord, I pray that we would just release them this morning, God. We would just forgive them for any wrongdoing that may have come, Lord. It, it just frees our spirit. You've already died for that. We don't have to be in bonded or chains to those things, Lord God. So I just pray you just open our hearts. Just take that wound away from us, God. Sometimes we like to bury it deep as if it never happened, God. But I pray right now you just remind us of those areas, God, and just pray that you just take away that hurt and that pain, and we just run to you as our ultimate Father, Lord. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Love you. Thank you.